Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now, your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for war? Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode is underway of the Conspiracy Farm. Jeffrey Wilson riding shotgun with my partner in crime, UFC Hall of Famer Pat Militich. How are we doing today, champ? I'm doing great. Thank you, Jeffrey. Well, man, I'm really stoked as, you know, I'm sure you are to talk to this gentleman. I mean, I don't know. I don't know when he sleeps. I don't know if he does. We're going to talk about it because it seems like he's, you know, the Energizer Bunny like on steroids. I don't know. But he is a... Special Forces. No, 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 I definitely apologize. I didn't mean to infer that, sir. He is a Special Forces sniper UFC vet, and he is the founder of Sheepdog Response, and he's the host of a couple cool programs called Hunting Hitler and another one that he just got into that we're going to talk about called Hard to Kill. Tim Kennedy is joining us today on the program. How are you today, sir? Man, I'm living in a free world. Um, as we speak right now, I'm wearing awesome little like vans a fanny pack with a gun and no t-shirt walking through the woods with my stunning son and my beautiful wife that sounds like a hell of a day yeah yeah i got two workouts in crushed some souls and ate them and now it's uh now now it's time to rejuvenate the spirit <laughs> crushed some souls and ate them and asked for seconds i'm sure Man, I mean, you 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 got you wear so many hats, dude. It's very you know interesting doing show prep on you and just kind of following your career. You know, when did the bug bite you? When did the when did the bug to kind of to be in this this line of work that you're in? I mean, you, you said and I've heard in other interviews just really good at at war, for lack of a better term, which is a weird thing to be good at. But when did that that bug bite you to be the kind of person you are, man? You you got a very interesting uh, interesting story. So there was no bug bite. Um, there was. A lifetime of conditioning. Um, I'm gonna. I, I come from a line of remarkable, extraordinary humans. To you know, the Great Depression, the Greatest Generation. Uh, my grandma making rivets that went on B-17 bombers. Wow. To my grandpa that fixed the radio on the Bel Air. To my uncles that fought in Vietnam. To my dad. You know, at five, six years old, he's like, "Hey, sons." Can you sneak into this car garage? There should be a red Honda Civic in there. I need you to write down the license plate because he's part of the drug cartel, you know. And he ha he has his five five and seven year old son sneak into a car garage, and so man, this is just life to me. Because your you father, know? your your uh, father was a law enforcement officer uh, in you know narcotics, I believe it was. Yeah, I mean that's that that is putting it mildly. <laughs> I think when you have when you have a homeboy that steals a plane of cocaine from Pablo Escobar and he's like, so your dad was a cop. It just sounds weird. You know, you're like, ah, yeah, he was, but he's also the gangsterest dude I've ever met. <laughs> that's good stuff. Well, that's obviously good, good uh, stock to come from to do what you've been doing in life with between the military elite special forces fighting at a, uh, an elite level in strike force, the UFC and a lot of other things, TV, obviously putting out great TV shows, which, you know, you're, you're a versatile guy, which is, you know, it's pretty rare. A lot of people define themselves with one thing that they do, but uh, you can tell that you're a pretty centered, centered guy that 
is is versatile because of that. Yeah, I mean, I never, um, you know, I am a single, like a singularly focused person, and I am driven by one thing, and um, for me to magnify that i look for every opportunity in every avenue and you know whether that was fighting or that was being in front of a camera for television or you know it's 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 all with the same purpose in mind and that's to build this idea of freedom and uh, and what i think it means yeah and let's you know let's talk about let's talk about freedom obviously there's been a big attack on the Second Amendment. I mean, we see the attack on the First Amendment constantly with this political correct garbage that we're dealing with. And you know, I just sent a tweet to Diane Feinstein today, and basically told her off and said, mm-hmm. you know, she said, you know, AR ARs can't be used for hunting. You know, you can't use them for self defense, which obviously we know are both incorrect. And I, I basically said, this is blatantly false propaganda. I said. We keep them to protect ourselves from you and your friends in D.C. Hmm. Yeah, so I really like that Constitution thing quite a bit, <laughs> um, and, um, and every single one of it. You like, I I follow the NAACP, and I really like when they go hard charging about the First Amendment and the protection of African Americans and um, civil rights. I love it. You know, um, the NRA. There's times where I'm like, yeah preach it brothers and then other times where i'm like man are you protecting the constitution are you you protecting um you know interests in different gun companies i really like freedom and i don't care who perpetuates this the voice of freedom um nowhere in the constitution did it say you have the right to bear arms when you're hunting that you have the right to bear arms when you are going to be protecting yourself from a home invader it says you have the right to protect yourself from the government and that's why you have this right. And all of those other ones are because of that one. The first, the third, the fourth, the fifth, all of them come down to the government has to be scared of the people. And that's and that's where we're at right now, where we have this problem where the people think the government needs to provide them with things, when in fact, it's just the people that need to provide everything for themselves. When the people are strong, we are free. And uh, I think we just got to remember who we are. And we're the greatest nation with the greatest group of people on the planet. Um, you know, that stopped fascism, that stopped communism. And, um, we are going to remember who we are. Yeah. The, you know, the, the, the death of me, the leftists will say, the leftists will say, you know, when, when, when a person says, uh, and you hear it all the time, obviously, you know, the government needs to be afraid of us. And they go, really, you're going to stop tanks and airplanes and this and that. And, and obviously what they're trying to do is elicit, look, number one, uh, I'm a staunch supporter of law enforcement and military, obviously. So we know that tanks and airplanes are not going to decimate the United States. They're not going to decimate their own country. It will most likely, if it ever came to fruition, it would be law enforcement trying to go door to door to take Americans' guns, and you know that's going to go bad for them. Yeah, I don't know who would do that. Um, you like... They, they forget that the people that they're going to ha- try and have enforce these laws are people that would be against those laws. Right, so, right. Um, man, we just got to remember how beautiful this freedom thing is. And we've been so privileged to live in an era where no one has had to see the horrors of what it looks like to be under a dictatorship. 
to see the horrors of what fascism can do, to see the horrors of what socialism and communism does. You're like, hey, go cross the border in North Korea and see how <laughs> you like the thought of communism. Well, and you I think, think you like socialism, go to Venezuela for a couple of weeks. Right. Eat, eat out of the right. trash with the dogs. No, I mean, that's that's a very you know poignant statement because um, we've been kind of lulled to sleep these last maybe 50, 60 years, and we don't know how bad it can get. And some of the precursors to when it did go very bad was disarming the public. And I don't think a lot of people really get that when we're seeing it. And like you said, you're Venezuelans. It can go very bad. And the last thing you want to see and have is a disarmed public against you know a, a government that's just out of control. Yeah, I mean, the disarming, everybody's like, oh, the, like, that never happens. You, you look at Hitler, you look at Castro, you look at Gaddafi, you look at Stalin, you look at like, Ilya Amin, you look at Mao, you look at Pol Pot, you look at Kim Jong-un. Like, every one of those people did exactly what we're talking about doing before they committed mass genocide. So, we're... Exactly. I get it, your, your show is conspiracy, but it's not. All it is is history. Right. Yeah. You right. can paint it in, in any way that you want, but history proves that this exact is the exact template for people to start getting murdered by governments and it's always yeah it's always basically throughout history it's always the socialists that try to take the free thinkers guns free thinkers man we just got to make more of them yeah in in the name of tolerance and understanding and you know but we're we're also at fault you know you um there's this there's this chasm this divide and there's no bridge for conversation right now where it's like oh look at these idiots look at these snowflakes look at these um this redneck ar owning alabama truck owning asshole um so that conversation never happens and because people are so divided there's never going to be an opportunity for us to grow and for us to become free thinkers because all the focus is on these fringe outer limits and uh, we have to bridge that divide somehow. How much, I'm not exactly sure. Well, you know, in the conspiracy farm, we talk... I'm sorry, Pat, go ahead, bro. No, it's, it's just, you know, obviously the mainstream media is, they have a narrative to follow. That's what they do. And, you know, shows like this, we do our best to get... You know, we're, we're heard in 130 countries. So, you know, we do have an impact. We do have a... Uh, a, a growing fan base, which is great. So we do our best to educate people out there about truly what you know what the Constitution is and what people need to stand for, and and, and the criminal actions within the government that have been going on for you know several decades, obviously. And and we're honest about it. We expose things, and and for the most part, we get great re- uh, responses. Yeah, keep doing it, man. Um, I think Joe Rogan's a free thinker. I think Tim Ferriss is a free free thinker. Um, you know, you guys, you just gotta, we just gotta inspire people to have the courage to think for themselves, well, to turn off that television and yes. remember that they have a brain. Disconnect. Well, like, like you talked about, man, like any of those situations or Paul Pot where, the, where they disarmed the citizenry and things went really bad after that. How much do you think of this, all of this division is by design? You know, because in any kind of genocide, you know, not only is disarming the citizenry a part of it, but having having some kind of propaganda like in Rwanda, the Tutsis and the Hutus or whatever, where you no longer see the other side as a human being. How much of that do you feel is, is by design? It's, it's always by design. Um, it, it was, you know, even every love, everybody loves talking about Hitler because he did it so effectively and so perfectly. Um, he dehumanized a massive segment 
segment of people and was able to disarm them and then put them, then corral them and then gas them and burn them. Um, and he first divided, he, he separated uh, the perception of what we are. And, you know, united we stand, separated we fall. Right. And he used a perfect example of he took fringe groups, outer limits, he painted them in this negative light and then slowly eroded their freedoms and then ultimately murdered them all. So, uh, yeah, the, t- the template's there, and we're following it pretty pathetically. Well, and it's global, because we had, we had a show not too long ago about the goings-on in South Africa. I mean, that's just a freaking powder keg just waiting to go off down there. Oh, it's gone off. It's not. It's, it is, uh, you know, they are days away from running out of water, and they are already in racial wars of murdering each other, and um, it's the worst that it's ever been. <laughs> and um, it's that, that, that powder keg has been lit. And it is ignited. Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, a good friend of mine who lives here in Iowa now. He's from originally what was Zimbabwe. And he was carrying an AK-47 on the ranch at 10 years old. I mean, it was that bad in, in Zimbabwe. So it's it's basically a carbon copy that's going on in South Africa that already took place when Mugabe was put in power uh, down in Zimbabwe. Yeah. Breaks my heart, man. I love South Africa. Um, I have some friends that were about to go there. And I almost physically prevented them from getting on a plane by stealing their passports uh, because they would have been murdered. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's it's that bad down there. So, uh, you know, let's kind of spin into something a little more positive. I I think this is really interesting. Actually, you know, we see a lot of guys who have been through intense military careers and, and reintegrating into civilian life is obviously not very easy for a lot of those guys. you know, you just posted on Twitter and Facebook about that that very thing, where the face that you make when you're when you're considering how you're going to do it. Uh, obviously, the first time you did it, you were already competing in the MMA. But did the MMA help you in that transition when you first left the military? Uh, you know, I've I've always had a foot in both worlds. Um, right. You know, as as a business owner and entrepreneur, and you know, in, in television and fighting. Um, even when I was in the military, I still had to deal, I'd still have to fly to LA and film a segment, or I'd still have to go to, um, Portland and Oregon and fight or fight in Seattle, you know? (laughs) Um, so like, and then vice versa when I, you know, was doing a lot of television. I've never had a break of service. I've been 15 years this coming January in special. Ah, So I've always had a foot in both worlds and, um, has given me an opportunity to see really how difficult it is for military guys to transition and reintegrate into society and vice versa, watching civilians have such a difficult time understanding what it is that this bearded tattooed dude that just came back from 15 years at war um, acts like. And uh, it's, 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 I think I've had maybe a totally unique perspective because I've always been in both worlds. And now I'm just trying to, chip away at the i don't know stereotypes that exist on both sides yeah you seem you seem like you're always a pretty positive guy you know you you uh constantly working out doing things reaching for goals things like that uh for for you a guy that's been through the things that you've been through i mean you've got to look at the average civilian complaining about their coffee not being warm enough or something and just shake your fucking head right <laughs> i mean yeah but i also really hate lukewarm coffee you know it's like drinking drinking lukewarm champagne it's just not supposed to happen 
Yeah, no, I was right. gonna, I was gonna bring that up actually at some point. You know how you've managed, you know, your disposition. You know, it, it, it is very positive. It is very. Um, you have somewhat of a very zen outlook to do kind of what you do, and I think a lot of it, just reading up on you. And just the person you became, the person you are, is just all about choices. And it's not like you said. I asked you about what bug bit you. It's just a small series of small choices, as you talked about, that creates the kind of human being that you are. And you know, that's obviously you've you've applied that to your your post conflict, post war, uh, coming home kind of attitude. You had you didn't let obviously that stuff define you. And you you really do have a very. Um, very well balanced and understanding that it's an internal struggle, not necessarily external, et cetera. Speak to that if you don't mind, man, because I think that's very, very powerful. Yeah, I think uh, maybe people forget sometimes, uh, you know, they, they see they see smiles, they see positive, you know, they see me doing yoga and they see me do, being a martial art instructor and they forget what a savage I am. You know, they, <laughs> they forget the, 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 the villages I've burnt down and the, things that I have done for this thing that we call freedom. Um, and, and it is all about balance. It's all about contrast. You know, it's, so I'm, you know, I'm going to leave here in, in, in not very long and I'm going to go to some place that I won't have any Wi-Fi. I won't have any hot coffee or cold champagne. Um, <laughs> I won't even have any real food. All I'm going to have is a bunch of people that want me to die. And right now, I'm walking through the woods with my son and wife with my shirt off talking to you guys on my earbuds and my iPhone 10. You know, um, <laughs> life is good. Life is good. The, but the stark contrast of those two things um, is what keeps me balanced. You know, it's not that I'm this blind lady of justice holding the scales and things have to be even, but I would go insane if I didn't have that balance. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I find it in the in the I think the craziest of places sometimes, but I have to have it. <laughs> well, even even the role you say, um, for lack of a better term, fear, and it, I found this very fascinating because I try to apply this myself, and it doesn't always quite work that way. You have a hurry up and fail attitude. It is you approach your approach to some things? You're not as afraid of failing. You look at it as more of a lesson and a, a teaching possibility than defining who you are. I heard that uh, the other day on an Aubrey Marcus uh, interview that you did. I found that very interesting. In some of your workouts, you're telling yourself sometimes, "Hurry up and fail, hurry up and fail." Talk to me about that. Talk to us about that. Well, man, I um, first of all, I never want to. I'm man, <laughs> Pat. You've been with some pretty competitive dudes. Right. Uh, maybe some of the most competitive dudes on the planet. I would put it to the test that. You know, you're talking to maybe the most competitive guy on the planet. So when I when I say hurry up and fail, it is not going to be easy. You know, I go and I try and find the fastest sprinter, and I want to race him. Hmm. And I want to find the biggest, strongest power lifter, and I want to beat him. And I want to find, you know, like this tiny little contortionist yoga instructor and show her that I'm more flexible and I can hold a pose longer. You know, like... So when I say hurry up and fail, it's not like I'm rushing to the opportunity of not completing something. Right. It's I want to find that thing that's going to push me so far that ultimately I can't do it. And that will and knowing who I am, that will enrage me to a degree that I can't even put into words. And I will then with that singular focus try with every ounce of who I, I am to get better, get stronger, get faster, get harder to kill. So I won't have to face that humiliation of failure again because, God, it stings. You know, when I walk out of an octagon and I didn't win, it hurts indescribably. And, um, and then I come back as a better version of the thing that went in there last time. 
Right. Now, have you have you ever done any ultra running, Tim? Yeah, and it hurts really bad. <laughs> when I say ultra running, it's not the distance. Like I've done a couple of marathons, which right. I think is ultra. Um, the 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 insanity that you do is is. I, I mean, I don't. I think know. I think we need to get you. I think we need to get you into it. <laughs> him, I think him and Dave Clark could have some interesting conversations. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I always have to balance because of because of my job. Still. Um, I still have to be able to pick up a car or take somebody's face and make it vaporize in my hand when I put it up against a wall. Right. Um, well, we, we know, could get those, you doing 50 milers, though. You'd still be good. Okay. Bye. <laughs> well, let's give it a whirl, man. I'll go for it. All right. All right. I love it. I love it. No, I mean, but I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I again, not to, to, be, to belabor the point necessarily, but, you know. <clears throat> Like I said, you you kind of no, just like come out the other side because you're still on your journey, and I mean that's kind of another part of the larger hero's journey that we all go through. There's such a huge fear component. There's such a huge narrative that we tell ourselves, like you said, failings. We're so afraid of failing, and we can't do this or that. When in actuality, you know, in order for the hero to really become the hero, he has to leave the porch, if you will. He has to go into the deep dark woods and, and face the monster. And obviously, you you you've done that times ten. Um, how do we get? How do you um, recommend people kind of get out of their own way, unchain their mind, if you will, to quote C.T. Fletcher, and um, and, and really kind of become the person we're really kind of meant to be, man. Oftentimes I just see it too much, man. I went through it myself. Just being in my own way has, has fucked up a lot of shit and getting out of my own way has, has wrought some pretty cool stuff. This show being one of them. Um, being comfortable is committing yourself to mediocrity the rest of your life. Right. Plain and simple. If you, if you want to be lukewarm coffee, cool. That's easy to do room temperature coffee it just sits there and it's comfortable mm -hmm. if you want to if you want to be extraordinary you have to have the courage to fail you have to be able to step into the batter's box knowing that you could strike out and still swing you know you to the michael jordan how many free throws did he miss how many three three pointers did he miss how many times did babe ruth go up and strike out how many like you every one of those examples even though they're cliche right it's ultimately true. the the commonality is that they were still there you know they were they succeeded because they they gave themselves that chance to fail, and and that's that hurry up and fail. That's that you have to have the courage. You know it's it's better to go out and fail than to have never tried. You know like I might be getting my ass kicked in the gym, but I'm still doing better than dude on the couch. Yeah. Well, and you've also spoken about, and we've spoken about how you know they've really emasculated our, our our young men in this country, and there's been kind of an attack on masculinity. What what role does that play in in kind of our, our not to sound sexist, whatever? I don't give a fuck. Are men just not being men? As you talked about being protectors and providers, etc. Where, where's the disconnect, man? Where you know the, we're the nation of skitty jeans and this weird kind of very nothing's wrong with being effeminate males, but there there is a war on on masculinity in this country. Yeah, and that's a it's a little bit our own fault, you know. We had some we got we had some assholes do asshole dudes doing a bunch of nasty things, and um, and then we had other dudes that weren't stepping up and being the men that they should have been. You know, like Harvey Weinstein, he's a yeah. piece, he's a piece of crap. I want to knock his teeth in. Um, with that said, I'm more mad at the other 40, 50, 60 dudes that were standing in that room, and they watched that fat old man take a 16 year old girl and walk it walk into a hotel room with her yeah i'm more mad at those 60 guys 
So masculinity is a beautiful, powerful thing. No, we're not trying to carve our existence out of the face of a mountain anymore and fighting bears. But <laughs> we have an opportunity to, to embrace and embody and just freaking love the power of being a man. And it is a great, gorgeous thing. And a beautiful feminine woman with a big, powerful man creates balance. And balance is strength and balance is power. You know, like the harder the metal, the more brittle it can get. But then you get that sweet spot hmm. where you pound out the impurities and you through the forging process of the fire and the flame, those the failures of it slowly erode. And all you're left with is this, this balanced, sharp, murderous thing. And that's what that's what the powerful man and the and the most beautiful, powerful feminine female can be together. And um, you know, it's uh, I, you know, it's not that I want uh, an apocalypse, but uh, there will be a time where in the very near future where we're going to remember how bad we need men. And, um, and we need examples of what a man looks like. And a man is a man that would never hurt something weaker than him. A man is a man that would never hurt a girl, that would never take advantage of a situation or his power or his authority over anybody for his own benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we got to find those men and then we got to put them in positions of power and then we got to remember what free thinkers can do. And speaking of, you know, speaking of men in positions of power, um, overall, how would you say, compared to the last administration, how is the military responding to this to this president and this administration compared to the last one? Man, we like to win. Um, we, <laughs> you want to talk about a group of people that aren't good at losing? The military is not good at losing. And right. uh, we spent 15 years just existing, driving down roads and getting blown up and ground that we fought for in Fallujah and Sadr City and Ramadi, Ramadi and, and Baghdad and the Hellman and Singar and I mean every single area of land in Afghanistan and Iraq, land that we fought for from 2004 to 2008, we then lost. And um, huh. from 2008 to 2016, we just kind of watched it disappear and get taken over by a bunch of assholes and then right. uh 2016 rolled around and we decided to start winning again and we took every single inch of that land back and every single fanatic radicalized piece of crap is on the run hoping that they survive one more night <laughs> um, and, and uh john troxel are you familiar with john troxel i'm sure right yep yep okay john troxel actually is from my area and he used to train down at my gym. I'd walk in the gym and he'd be in there hanging off an I-beam uh, with a training mask on. He's always been a really hardcore guy. And you know when you've got a, a guy in the Pentagon that makes a statement that offends uh, a lot of liberals that says, you know, that ISIS can either, they've got two choices, either give up or or be shot in the face and beat to death with an entrenchment tool. You've got the right guys leading the military again. Yeah, that's what's happening. You know, we're... Um Clearly, I'm deploying a couple of times in the next few months. I have no say in that. What I had was a boss that said, hey, you're a special operations guy. Get your gun. You're going to go to war. I don't care who you are, and I don't care what your job is. That's what you're going to do. And I was like, huh. Like, I think for a little bit, people forgot what it meant to have a, a man with the nickname of Mad Dog as your <laughs> secretary of defense. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, like what's what's happening right now is if you are in special operations and you are not deploying, you are getting kicked out of the military. 
and a uh, it is, man. That leaves when we're talking about refiner, refiner fire, and the chaff and the wind. That those light little pieces of crap are blowing away, and the ones that do want to do war fighting, they're suiting up, they're grabbing their body armor, and they're just loading magazines. It's good, yeah. No, it really is. It's 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 it really is a. It gives a lot of hope to people back here, knowing that these guys, and I'm sure it's a shot in the arm for the military going, finally, Mad Dog Mattis and Troxel and guys like that uh, who who are not screwing around. They're just, they're, the, the leash has been taken off of everybody, and it's time to kick ass. Yeah, and uh, kicking ass is what we like to do. <laughs> um, and that's what we're going to do. Man. It is, uh, I wish I could, you know, maybe this time next year we could circle back about what is, what has happened in the past six months and what's going to happen in the next 12 months. And, uh, yeah, cause and that was just usually, actually what I was going to ask you. What are, you, what are your prognostications? I mean, the theaters of war seem to be changing quite a bit. We have uh, radical, radical Muslim Uyghurs in Western China. We have ISIS now in the Philippines. Um, I mean, it's, it's this grand chessboard is changing by the day. Is it not? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're running to the corners of the world because the, the areas that they have been comfortable operating with, are now scorched earth. So if you want to see what the the trajectory is, it's like just tear your shirt open right now and hopefully you have red, white, and blue either <laughs> tattooed or painted on your chest and start screaming, screaming freedom because that's what's happening. That's great. Now the, uh, you know, you don't have to reply to this necessarily uh, one way or another, but, you know, in doing our research, we were, we were looking into money and arms falling into uh, al-Nusra and ISIS hands through you know, Western intelligence, whatever, whatever. Um, a, good friend, a good friend of mine who owns an intelligence company, you know, I asked him point blank four and a half years ago, dude, are, are, are we responsible partly for arming ISIS? And he goes, yeah, 100%. And um, you don't have to respond to that because of the job that you're doing. But, you know, I asked him when Trump got in, I said, did Trump cease the programs of arming and funding the terrorists in Syria? And he said, yes. So, and, and he said unequivocally, 100%, yes, he, he stopped that. So I, I was very happy about that because, uh, look, our people, including you, are over in places like that fighting. I'd prefer you not get killed by people that happen to be funded and armed by Western, by Western sources. Amen. Yeah, man, I hope we break the cycle. You, know, you, you, you go back to Vietnam, you go back to the Taliban fighting the Russians in Afghanistan. Right. Um, you, you, you see people that were trained and armed by Americans. Um, you know, the, uh, it, I would love to break the cycle. Um, you know, I'm obviously not going to answer. That wasn't really a question, but I'm just going to nod my head and smile. <laughs> right. right. So, and, and, I, and I think you could probably respond to this. You know, I see it very different. You know, the funding the Mujahideen in Afghanistan against Russia was obviously one, there was the the resources of Afghanistan were kind of important, obviously. But um, it was also to break the bank of Russia and, and let them, you know, destroy their country financially with that war, which was a smart move by Reagan. I just see the stuff that's going on or went on in the last administration as not having that, that type of motivation. That's all I can say. <laughs> Well, yeah, we, we, we want to win wars in every single way, um, economically, like physically, literally and metaphorically. And I, and I think we are teeing ourselves up to do that in every way. Right. L let me ask you something. 
Well, as a part of this grand chessboard, and today does happen to be uh, Vietnam Veterans Day, so thank you very much to all of our Vietnam veterans out there. You know, something we bring up on this show, um, the, the kind of the social... Yeah, you're fine. Hello? Oh. Yeah, you're good. Sorry. The, the social engineering aspect of war, with today being the Vietnam Veterans uh, Adventures, or Vietnam's Veterans Day, we now know about the Gulf of Tonkin and the event that precipitated the Vietnam War. And through declassified documents, we find out that that never happened. And that's something that just, I can't even begin to articulate how bad that pisses me off because millions of Vietnamese were killed, 58,000 Americans killed in action, however many killed at home through suicides or drug overdoses. All of that, quote unquote, based off of kind of a lie. I, what are your thoughts on that, man? That's just, that's so beyond unacceptable. You know, that young people, you know, people like yourself go out there and fight for something they believe in only to be kind of told later on down the line that it didn't necessarily have to happen that way. Wars have always been fought by the working class. The people that go to war and make those kids go and fight in those wars have always been the elite. Yeah. Um, I hope that changes. Um, you know, I not that I hope that... Um, the Roseanne TV show, but she said something pretty profound yesterday where they, they asked, you know, the, the, that TV show that was on for how many years with, uh, John Goodman. Is it Roxanne or Roseanne? Roseanne. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Tom Arnold, or was it, was yeah, it, was yeah. it? I think it was John Goodman. Well, the, it's coming back on the air and her well, character right. is, go, is going to be kind of pro Trumpish. Right. And everybody's losing their mind that the show is going to, with a pro Trump main character, is going to be like this is impossible. This can't. <laughs> <That's laughs> Nineteen million viewers. Yeah, it was huge. Well, she, so she was asked yesterday on I think the View or one of those morning talk show. What, what do you think would have happened with her in, in in the years between? And she said, I think her heart would have broken because she was watching all of her friends because her character is is middle class, yes. blue collar, hardworking. She's like her heart would have broken because she would have watched all of her friend's sons go to war in a war that is being forgotten and a war that people have forgotten is still being fought. Yeah. And it's like, God dang girl. Like, could you have not hit that nail more smartly on the head? And that has to change. Um, you know, I don't do, I, do I think that Ivanka's Trump kids are going to end up fighting in a war? No, I know I don't, but I do hope that the wisdom and the candor of guys like Mattis and um, the next generation of leaders, because we've been at war for 16 years. Those are going to be people that are going to have the opportunity to step into the limelight, to step into um, a political forum, maybe even on a ballot and say, Hey man, I fought in a war. I fought in the war, the longest running war in our country's history. Yeah. And, um, and we're now going to vote differently about when we go to war and why we go to war. And it's not going to make some rich white dude that owns a government contracting company just a little bit richer. Yeah, there definitely needs to be a change in that cycle because, you know, what did uh, what did uh, Smedley Butler say? You know, war is a racket, and unfortunately that just appears to be all too true. Man, moving on a little bit because I know I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, you, you, like a, you were just super busy, dude. One of the shows that's really been awesome I checked out called uh, Hunting Hitler. If you don't mind, how did how did that get started, man? Oof. Uh, man, the reoccurring conversation, um, rumors, uh, the, <laughs> the ever-present, man, did Hitler get out of the bunker, is like 
people have been talking about for 75 years. Um, when you, you when you find the Skorzenskis and the Adolf Eichmanns and the Joseph um, Mengele's dying of old age in South America, and you say, okay, well, his number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all made it out, and the only guys that went to the Nuremberg to the Nuremberg trials were a bunch of scapegoats. So, right. how is it that this that this that this asshole that he died in the bunker if everybody else below him made it out? Now, just just try to think if how the possibility would be that if Trump, Mattis, um, Flynn, like every one of like hit what was his inner circle, if all of them made it out, but then he stayed there. Right. It doesn't make like, sense. It's just right. no, it's impossible. Right. Um, and you know, and so that, that, that was the origin. That was the Genesis is okay. We have technology and we have a skill set of people now that have been hunting humans. We have, you know, ground penetrating radar. We have drones, and um, we have a group of people that are really good at hunting other people, which is me and my friends. And mm-hmm. they said, "Let's go see what happened uh, if we take that power of perception and technology and direct it at this rumor, this conspiracy, and see if there's any truth to it." So that's how it started. Now, did the pictures that came out of it looks an awful lot like Hitler and Eva Braun on a boat dock down in South America in the fifties? You know, what, what's your analysis of that? Ooh, the, uh, uh, I hate seeing pictures like that. Um, it like infuriates me, you know, you're like, ah, 12 million Jews, like, or right. burnt and gassed. So that super sucks. Right. And here's this dude living with his wife in an affluent, powerful position in South America until you know he grows old and dies of his illnesses and like makes me want to burn the world down hmm. um he had you know like that's the hard thing about pictures is there's so many body doubles there's so many altered photos right um right. you really have to get on the ground and we were looking and we are looking for legitimate physical conclusive evidence um not conjecture not right um and that's hard. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask yeah. you. Did you guys conclude anything beyond kind of circumstantial, anything definitive necessarily? Do you, I mean, do you consider eyewitnesses definitive? You know, because we now have about 14 people that we interviewed that with their own eyes, which were young eyes but are now old eyes, hmm. say that they physically saw him. Um you know what we were able to prove was that the the routes were in place for him to get out. I don't think anybody can dispute that, and I think we have proved that the evidence uh, that was in the bunker that was supposed to be Hitler is not Hitler. Um, what we don't have is that smoking gun. We right. don't have here is the body of Hitler. Right. Um, and that's uh, that's something I want to see. You should, um, you should sometime, and I'll shoot you a video sometime. Uh, we had him on not too long ago, an Oxford PhD. You got Hitler? No, <laughs> Doctor Joseph P. Farrell is his name, and he's an author of a book called um, um, Nazi International. And it's just very fascinating because his premise is pretty much the Germans won the war, the Nazis didn't, and they took so much of that stolen Nazi loot and did go down to South America, and through that, um, over the next several decades, started. Um, implementing kind of their own agenda here in the West with financial institutions, et cetera, and putting that money back into play. Pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, interesting and scary. You know, um, yeah. there might not be 
that might be a lot more accurate than people would want to say. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, your newest show, man, I was like, whoa, Tim, what are you trying to do? Do you have, like, on a death wish or something, this new show called Hard to Kill? My man, my man, I wish you the best. Oh, my God. Talk to us about this show, brother. <laughs> Seriously. I should have made a lot better life decisions. Uh, I, think, I, think that's, <laughs> I think all this show is going to show is um, that I'm dumb. <laughs> Tim has a death wish. Yeah, and we're going to show millions of people what the inside of my body looks like um, over and over again, which is usually red and leaky. <laughs> you're doing you're you're doing special forces fear factor on yourself, pretty much. Yeah, they're like, oh, let's take this plane, lock you inside of it, and set it on fire with aviation fuel. Okay, go. So, so what is like, the premise oh, though? The premise of the show is think Anthony Bourdain, sights unseen, right? Um, where we're going and learning about some of the most extraordinary Americans um, that, that walk this beautiful green country. They're the ones that make it tick. They're the ones that put food on our table, that put gas in our car, that make planes fly. Um, and their lives and their jobs specifically are just inherently dangerous. They die a lot. Um, I go and find those people and we explore what it looks like to do their, their live in their world. And then I go and I recreate their worst nightmare to see <laughs> how I do under those circumstances. So when does this air? We're about two months out from uh, episode one hitting okay. uh, Discovery. And it is oh. going to be epic. Wow. No, I think, I think it's going to be a great show. I think, uh, you know, you're, we're, we're talking to you, so you've made it through most of the filming, obviously, which is, which is encouraging. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm still alive. There were definitely periods of time where I had to take breaks from filming, um, so I could get healed, um, get stitches out, get things realigned, and um, and then go back to doing it some more. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, that's I, you. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'd be tapping out, man. I would be tapping out. But again, this is this is who you are, bro. And this is so beautiful. This is the fabric of who you are. And also this goes into, you know, the creation of and your philosophy behind your sheepdog response. Talk to us about that because that's a the, the whole kind of mantra behind sheepdog response. You really do embody that with everything you're talking about here and the, the way you approach life. Yeah. So sheepdog response is, you know, it's this concept of, um, you know, we're only free when we're strong. You know, when the people, like freedom exists only on the far side of hard work. And so people, you know, as, as, you know, Pat, as you know, you don't get good at wrestling by learning a move. You get good at wrestling by sweating, bleeding, living, breathing that thing every single day. Right. And uh, that, that's what we're trying to show people. And, you know, w w tell us about the training a little bit more. Obviously, you work on. Uh, defensive tactics, submission, grappling, probably, you know, ground escapes, weapon retention, but you also do a lot of range work with them, don't you? Yeah, man, we, uh, we get after it for sure. The day's kind of broken down into six hours of shooting and six hours of fighting. Okay. Um, the fighting is weapon retention, the, the fundamentals of wrestling, boxing, um, jujitsu. We just take the basics of what somebody should know when it comes to protecting themselves and no. we pressure test it, and then we make people learn it. Um, 
you know, and that's like to the to 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 your point. That's just kind of how I was able to do the show. Is I'm like decent at the basics of everything. I'm not a Ferrari. I'm like a really really good Ford. That's um, <laughs> that's been repaired about a hundred times. And, basics, um, basics are what win, right? Yeah. Yep. That's really what it comes down to. Rare, rarely are you going to see a spinning technique in the fight unless that guy was already kicking the hell out of somebody and wanted to highlight real finish. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it was, I mean, you got to you got to be good at the basics. And when it was interesting watching, you know, the skills you do implement. I mean, this isn't just. Uh, I mean, it's not just rolling jujitsu. This is one of the guys you were rolling with. You're like, look, man, this. I just ripped your eyeballs out, dude. Like, you know, this this isn't just a wrestling with your older brother type scenario. Like, you were you were showing these guys like real hardcore fighting technique, and it's something that um, one of our former guests, former Russian Spets, not Sonny Puzik, has talked about being trained and prepared for certain levels of violence that most people just aren't can't mentally fathom and you do that with sheepdog pretty fascinating yeah I mean, just today in jujitsu class you know we, we talked about um right now showed how to um earn a dominant position you know initiating scrambles to get to somebody's back you know arm drags from from the guard or car throw by from the guard and then he hands it over to me. He says, okay. Now, the other part of martial arts is um, being able to be violent. And it was, okay, now that you have their back, I'm going to take the back of their face and I'm going to smash it into the ground so many times that I'm going to have soup. And we're going to make soup. That's going to be our first course is soup. <laughs> but it's practical, so like I said. I, I've got to ask you because I've had people – uh, not only quit my training, we do uh, 40-hour training courses around the country, different different academies, whatever. But we've had law enforcement officers not only quit our training, but quit the department because of the training. Have you had that happen yet? Yeah, we, we have about 10% of our students not show up for the second day. Right. Um, and I want that to be zero. I want everybody to get every second of the training because I think it's life-saving. Life um but if they don't show up to the second day of training, I hope that they quit quit the department. Um, well, and it's it's a it's a weeding out process. I mean, you and I both know there's a lot of people out there. Unfortunately, um, through the the way things have gone in society, with everybody having a camera with their phone, uh, you know, cops cops are more worried about being sued than being killed anymore. And a lot of people that would would have made great police officers simply don't want to be a police officer because of the shit they have to deal with now. Yeah. Uh, there's just, we're in such a great era of our lives where we have had such great times and those great times have made weak men and those weak men are going to make hard times. But what hard times do is make hard men. And, um, you know, we're in the middle of that cycle where we have my life and my kids' lives. They have been so fortunate to be in a really good era where there's very low poverty and there's very little, um, struggle. Uh, you know, and um, and because of that, they got complacent. They forgot how uh, a combustion motor works. Mm -hmm. They forgot how to change their oil, and they forgot how to make coffee, and they forgot how to grow food, and they forgot how to hunt for food, and they forgot how to 
be human. But they, and, but they uh, wanted to dress like it, though, Tim and Pat. They wanted to wear a flannel and grow a beard and, 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 and almost look like, quote-unquote, a man, as opposed to, like you said, being able to change it. Change, change. I have a beard and I'm wearing a flannel. Why'd you have to say that? Well, you know, you're pretty, you're pretty tried and true. <laughs> your, your mail card is well intact, Pat. I'm just saying some of these young kids, as we see it, it's a, it's a thing as opposed to, like, really, you know, having it really be something that you're about. So, Right crazy times we are living in well tim kennedy anything anything you want to uh shout out any social networking man where we can track you down obviously you're going to be gone for a little while and we obviously wish you the best and and beyond sir thank you for your service um where, where can we track you down buddy uh, i'm you know everything for me and in, in twitter instagram and facebook is all tim kennedy mma um you know sheepdog response i'm passionate about that mission and uh i'm just Let's make some more independent, free-minded thinkers that are going to change the world. Absolutely. And you guys brought brought uh, Jeremy Horn on to do some grappling, right, to teach? Yeah, like Jeremy Horn and uh, and one of my friends, Travis Lloyd and Johnny Primo, they all live in Salt Lake. Nice. And uh, Jeremy Horn's gym is, you know, that's going to be a sheepdog hub where we're going to run lots of courses out of there and a lot of shooting out of there. And, uh, you know, we're hopefully going to elevate – both him and his gym. Yeah, because Jeremy, Jeremy's gotten heavily into the uh, Jeremy's gotten heavily into the uh, three gun competitions. Also, yeah, he's good. So he's, he's a good. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you guys brought him on because he's he's a very very knowledgeable guy. I think he's got honestly for he, he never fought a fake fight. There was never a work in his career, and he's got a, what 170 to 190 victories in MMA. The guy was an Amazing. He trained with me for 10 years and he was nonstop. He was fighting in Nebraska on Friday and Iowa on Saturday every week. He's amazing. I have, I have nothing but the greatest things to say about him and you know pretty much every guy that trained with you. You guys had a pretty extraordinary group of men. And uh, I was we fortunate to, be able to watch it. Paying the bills. Yeah, the military fighting system was absolutely no joke. Well, Mr. Tim Kennedy, new show coming out. Yeah, man. man, absolutely. Hard to kill, ladies and gentlemen, on the Discovery Channel. You can also check out Hunting Hitler on the History Channel. Man, Mr. Tim Kennedy, thank you again so much. Please, sir, please come back, talk to us. Be safe. Take care of yourself and your family. Pat, any closing words? No, thank you much, Tim. Great talking to you. No, thanks, guys. Thank you. Have an awesome day. I appreciate it. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. There will always be more. Peace, buddy.